Happy Wednesday, everyone. Well, when this drops, it will be Wednesday, but you may listen to it on a different day. Regardless, I want you all to make it a great day, and it will be a great day because right now you are listening to a brand new episode of the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success. I am your host, Maverick Levy, and if you are a new listener to the show, welcome. Please subscribe, but know that on this podcast, I bring on the best of the best in each industry to teach you all about the shit that's not taught in school so you can gain knowledge, learn how to possibly get into an industry, or learn about things that are essential in life but not taught in school, such as taxes, mortgages, building credit, etc. And real quick, before we go into the rest of the intro for this week's podcast episode... I know I've mentioned some giveaways coming up. I'm still working on one to see if it's gonna actually come through and be able to work out because it would be pretty cool. If that does not, of course I have a backup plan, but it will be soon. I just wanted to throw that in there to let you all know that I have not forgot about that. It has been working in the background. Also, because this topic that I'm going to be talking with the guest about today is focused on social media, This is your weekly reminder to go check out the podcast pages for social media. The username is at TBOTBpod. You can also check out the website, TBOTBpod.com. And thank you to the listeners who have been filling out the form on the website, or maybe it's the future guest that wants to come on. There's been a lot of forms being submitted that I have seen recently of you guys' recommendations of people that you want to have come on the show. Again, it could be those people themselves recommending themselves, but either way, thank you for that. Myself and DBP will definitely reach out to those people to try and get them on the show if they fit with the show and they truly are the best of the best. But before we go into the interview for today, You should know we always have a disclaimer, so here it is. The discussions on this podcast are for informational purposes only. I cannot predict and do not guarantee that you will attain a particular result from the information provided. You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. Without further ado, let's jump right into this week's interview. Today's interview is someone who is also from Michigan. Her name is Elizabeth Weber. She is the winner of the first season of the American Love Island TV show. She is a model, an actress, and a social media influencer. So welcome to the best of the best, Elizabeth. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me first. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be a cool discussion because what you do right now and sort of how you got into what you do right now, it's just a cool story. And I'll mention it later in the show, but there was this study. I actually had uh, Ben Baller on a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me about this study where they went into schools and they surveyed students. I don't know what grade it was, but when they were asking them what they want to be when they grew up, it wasn't like what it was when we were in school, where it was like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. Uh, it was more so now, like, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be an influencer. So I think this is going to be a very influential conversation to the younger generation so they can sort of see, you know, some things that go on in your life and really how you got into it. But the way I conduct the beginning of the interviews is just by getting some background information 
information so the listeners can get to know you a little bit. So where did you grow up, Elizabeth? Yeah, of course. So I grew up in Birmingham, Michigan. I went to Seaholme High School, which was one of the public schools in the area. Uh, After graduating there, I attended Central Michigan University, where I graduated with a degree in marketing and advertising. And then You know, I had a lot of Michigan and was like, I need something new and accepted an advertising job in New York City and moved there. Awesome. Yeah, Michigan. Um, Olivia and I were moving out of Michigan and moving to Florida. So we're at that point that you were at. You're a little bit older than us. So we're at that point where it's like enough with Michigan already. Right. But um, so outside of influencing and acting and all the cool things you do, what are some hobbies that you have or what do you like to do when you have some free time to yourself? Oh, fun. Okay. I'm super into traveling and I also love fitness and I have like a huge passion for like mental health as well. That's awesome. We've had um, some mental health experts on the show to talk about that because it's a topic that absolutely needs to be talked about in today's world. But you brought up travel. Where are some of your favorite places that you visited? Okay, so I've traveled all over the U.S. Like I if I had to fill in all the states, I feel like I've almost hit all 50 at this point. (laughs) But um have you been to Alaska? I haven't. That's on my list. That's on my list oh, yeah. of where I need to I go. I want to go there too. Yeah, I think it'd be super cool. Like do like a cruise around the waters there and see like all the icebergs. Other than that, I loved Fiji. I filmed there for Love Island. It was pretty cool. Uh, I think my favorite place I've ever been was this little island off of Fiji called Mala Mala, and it was so cute. It was like shaped like a heart the actual island and just very small with like no civilization on it. How long did it take you to get to Fiji? Oh my gosh. The flight was probably 17 to 19 hours, somewhere in that range. Wow. That's crazy. So you said you went to college. What'd you say? What did you study again? What did you graduate with? Marketing and advertising. So a business degree. And I think that prepared me a lot for everything that was yet to come. You know, I always was like, is school for me? Is it not? Like, should I study art school? Like I was so confused with what I wanted to do, but it ended up being like a perfect thing for me. Like I was super into, you know, having the slight business side, but also, you know, having the creative route um, with advertising and all the communication classes and stuff. Yeah, no, it seems like it definitely pushed your career in the right direction. And I'm always a believer of everything happens for a reason. So it definitely helped you out in the long run. But the last background question, and it's not really a background question. I say that every week now, so I need to stop. But it's something I've been asking is with the pandemic going on for the past year and a half, I just like to ask a generous question of how are you doing? Are you doing okay? You know, people ask that all the time and sort of in just a Passover way. But I truly am curious. Have you been good? Have you had any struggles? Are, are you doing okay? Yeah, so I'm good now. But, you know, obviously work was like really slow last year when it first hit out in LA. And I moved here in February. The pandemic hit in March right after that. So I was here for about a month and then was like, everything was shut down. Like everything was so frozen in the entertainment industry and the whole influencer world, like campaigns were not running, you know, nothing was filming and it was, you know, it was pretty miserable being out here. So I moved home for the summer then um, in Michigan and I haven't spent a lot of time at home, you know, in a couple years after being in New York, then Fiji, then you know, it was nice to spend time with family. You know, Michigan has a lot of lakes. So summer is great returned back to LA and things have been good. But now that we've hit that one year mark since the pandemic has happened, I feel like everyone's kind of like very over it now. Like when is this going to end? I know it's crazy. I've been down in Florida 
And it's just, it's a whole different world down here. I mean, you have to be safe, but at the same time, it's, I'll be the first to say, it's nice to see people living what a normal life can be in today's world. So it's crazy. It's impacted everyone in different ways. And obviously our hearts go out to those who have lost loved ones and friends and family during COVID. But yeah, I feel like we're all in that same agreement. Like, when is this just going to be over? But I'm glad to hear that you got through it and you got back on your feet and picked yourself back up. I think I ran into you when you were in Michigan at uh, Be Well. Oh, yeah. I love Be Well. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Silvio. He's I the know. Man. He's great. He's great. Yeah. He's awesome. But all right, let's get into it here because like I said in the beginning when I introduced you, you're a very cool guest to have on the show because not only are you the best of the best because you actually won the show Love Island, but also because of your career now and how it's taking off. And I think it's going to be really great for the listeners to hear your story and let them learn from it if they want to follow in those same footsteps or if they're just curious. But let's start with Love Island. And before we go like deep into the reality TV show, I guess, conversation, Will you explain to the listeners what Love Island is and then how contestants essentially win the show? Yeah, so basically Love Island is a reality TV dating show. It has a very lighthearted comedic factor to it. And I always say like when you're comparing it to The Bachelor, like The Bachelor is very romantic, dramatic. But then Love Island has the very, you know, it's much more lighthearted. It's funny and it's just not as serious. So they have all the castaways, which are the Islanders, and it's split even between the girls and the guys. Essentially, guys will be voting out one week who's going home and then girls will be the next. So you couple up each week and then the odd one out is unfortunately sent home. And then once you're down to the final four couples, so eight people, America then votes for their favorite couple. And then those two pull out of a hat either a $0 bill or a $100,000 bill. So I pulled the correct card. <laughs> Lucky enough, right? Yeah. And then the whole challenge of like the ending is that person then decides, you know, do I like my couple that I've been with, you know, throughout the show? And like, do we split it or am I taking it all for myself? Wow. So I did split it. I felt like we kind of won it together. But yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So you ended up what? Then you won 50 grand then if you split that hundred? Yes. Wow, that's really, really cool. That's awesome. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you were on the first season of the American version of Love Island, but yes. there's been European Love Islands yeah. going on for quite some time. So how did you find out that the show was coming to America? And did you get in contact with them and go and audition and cast? Or how did that whole process work? Right. So like you said, the UK has a super successful you know version of love island and same with australia and it does really well like uk the whole country shuts down when it airs like they are all diehard fans of the show it is like <laughs> part of their culture over there it's wild it's not like that over here yet but i hope you know someday it will be i think it's such a fun show that's you know pretty entertaining to watch and you know kind of pulls yeah. people out of their daily life but anyways, so I was working in New York at the time at an ad agency and modeling on the side, and I got a DM from a casting director for it, and I had responded, and I said, oh, like, thanks so much for thinking of me, but this isn't for me. Like, no, thank you. And he was like, no, hear me out. Let's just have a call. Let's just see if, like, maybe it could be a fit for you. And I was like, okay, it's, like, worth a call at this point. And then he was like, I'm telling you right now, like, you'd be perfect for this. Like, let us fly you out for a week to L.A. and, and meet all the, you know, producers and all the everyone over at CBS and just see what you think. 
And so I flew out to L.A. I'm pretty sure I told my company at work that I had like a modeling job at the time because I didn't want them to know I was looking into this. <laughs> and then yeah. I loved everyone I met. And that's kind of what sold me on it. I really, you know, trusted the producers and I loved their vision for the show because I was the pilot season. I had no idea what to expect. And I just was so like... They- I was very... Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. I was, but so they reached out to you then yes. to go on the show. It wasn't yes. like you were actively looking for an opportunity like this. It sort of just fell in your lap. Right, exactly. Especially because it was the first season. Um, I don't think anyone really knew that there was like casting going on or what it was. So I think they targeted a lot of like modeling agencies to find people. It just since the premise of the show is like, you know, sticking like some sexy singles on an island. Um, But they found people in all different ways. They found one guy on a dating app. They recruited him off it. Like it was hilarious. Yeah. They pulled from all over. That's amazing. So when you said that at first, you said to him, you know, I don't think this is for me. Why did you feel that way? Why did you think that that wasn't for you? Um, My fear with reality TV and dating was I didn't want it to be something trashy and that didn't align with like my values or, you know, I didn't want to be depicted in a manner like that I would have been happy with. But they, you know, really reassured me, like, we're not trying to make you look bad. Like, as long as you're just yourself, like, you know, people will like that. And I kind of like stuck to that from day one. Like, I just was like, I'm just going to not even let myself know there's cameras here and just, you know, be myself and have fun with it. That's a really awesome perspective. I think you took on an opportunity like that, where at first you sort of had an initial reaction and later realized, okay, maybe I can do this and get into it. But going along with that, were your friends and family supportive of you going on the show? Yeah, they were so excited for me. Like, it was crazy. I didn't expect that. And I had full support. Like, and while I was gone, I didn't know this till I had gotten back. But my mom threw watch parties for like every single episode. Like she had (laughs) so many people over. She had our whole community so invested in this show. And I had no idea any of this was going on. Even the finale, she threw a huge party. I had relatives fly in from all over the country for this party. My grandpa was chugging champagne. Like, and I missed it. I missed all of it because I wasn't there for it because I was, you know, filming it because it's in live time, too. So, oh, wow. OK, so, yeah, let's go into that for a little bit about the filming. So when you say it's in filmed in live time, so they were literally like filming and then releasing the episode a few weeks later. How did that work? Yeah. So it was they would film it and then essentially 12 hours later it would air in America because of the time difference. Oh, wow. So it was that short of a turnaround time. Quick turnaround. So they were like just so nervous the whole time. Like it would have been much different if we filmed it like how The Bachelor films and then I come back and then I can watch it with them and then just not tell anyone, you know, how it went. So they were just so nervous the whole time. Like, oh, my God, we don't know if she's getting voted off or not because it was happening in real time. time. I think that's actually cooler than the way The Bachelor does it because now you're sort of guessing and you're on the edge of your seat about are you going to win? Are you not? When you were filming, were you allowed to have your phone with you and communicate with the outside world or not at all? No. So when you get to Fiji, they actually have a quarantine lockdown period. So the minute your flight lands, they take your phone then and you're locked down for two weeks at a resort with no phone, no nothing, no TV, anything. Wow, that is absolutely insane. Yeah. That's crazy. How long was the filming process? Like, how long were you there for filming from the start to the finish? I calculated it, and I think I was there for 64 days with no phone (laughs) in Fiji, which is just crazy to me. So that was a long time to not be able to talk to, you know, your family. And I didn't even realize how long that really was until I did it because I didn't really notice how often I talked to everybody. 
Oh yeah, no, that's actually insane. I, that's crazy because when I was writing my questions and doing my due diligence, I couldn't really find anywhere online if you were able to have your phone and communicate. But I was actually assuming that you weren't going to be able to have that because then you could leak the show and leak what's happening, even if it's a short turnaround time. But as someone who is brand new to reality TV, what aspects of doing something like this challenge you the most? Oh, gosh, probably that. I mean, being so secluded from everything and like you have no access to news while you're there either. So you don't know what's happening in the world around you. Like it would have been so strange, for instance, if this pandemic had happened while I was there because I would not have known about it. They won't tell it like once you're in there, like you don't know anything that's going on in the outside world. I don't know if that's scary or it's cool or how are you feeling? feeling during that it was definitely weird because some of the guys in the villa knew there was like sports games or some kind of tournaments and they wanted to know who won and like there was they weren't allowed to know even that that's really crazy i'm sure because actually my so my cousin went on a reality tv sort of like a survivor type show okay and she wasn't allowed to tell us anything for like six months because it was they filmed it then she came back and then there was like six months until it aired so i sort of like was expecting you to answer that way but i think it gives good insight because i don't think others um who really don't have like an insight into the reality tv world would be able to know something like that but that's crazy so you like had this whole process you weren't allowed to talk to the outside world was that always on your mind just like what's my family thinking of this right now I mean, it's funny because I thought like no one was watching. Like I was like, oh, nobody watched. Like it's just like some funny show. And I get back and there was this like my whole community was watching. Everyone was so excited for me. And I was like, it was the coolest thing to come home to, especially because it really brought my family together so much. Like all those watch parties and it was just so much joy and what a like fun summer for all of them to be able to have that but my mom also said it was the most stressful summer of her life but (laughs) yeah I'm sure like not being able to talk to her daughter and watch her just on this reality show with like emotions flying and not I'm sure there's just drama going on and whatnot and she's just watching it like wishing she could talk to you they would show like a preview for like the next week of like two new like really good looking girls you know walking into the villa and their little bios being like, oh, you know, I can't wait to join next week. And my mom would literally almost pass out because she'd be like, oh, my God, Elizabeth's going to freak out. Like, she's going <laughs> to like she was so funny about it. That's awesome. Well, before we wrap up this topic, if you had to give one piece of advice to a listener of the podcast that's thinking to stuff, maybe I want to do one of these reality TV shows. What advice would you give to them? The first uh, most important thing is really know yourself and By that, I mean, know, you know, who you are and what you want and what you stand for, because I think a lot of people get lost going on some things like this and, you know, say things they don't mean or try to portray a personality or a character that it just isn't them. So, like, you really need to know yourself. And then by that, you know, if you make it onto one of these shows, the biggest piece of advice is to be yourself, especially, you know, going through the audition process. Like, you want the producers to want you for you, you know, not someone you're trying to be. So I thought about that before when I was writing these questions and I was like, I'm sure there's so many people that just totally, I call these people chameleons because they just change with who they're around. Um, Actually, shout out to one of my friends. He made that up. But we always call these kinds of people chameleons because if they're going to be one person around Elizabeth and Maverick and then they're going to go and be someone totally different around someone else and they're just not being true to themselves. And I'm sure that happens in situations where they're going um, and trying to be on a reality TV show. They're going to want to be someone who they think the show wants them to be, not who they are 
are actually going to be. Yeah. So. No, that's great advice for the listeners out there. But before we switch topics, is there anything else about reality TV, about Love Island that you want to touch on? Or do you think we covered, you know, what people should know about this reality TV world and the ins and outs of Love Island? Yeah, I think we pretty much covered it. I would say, too, like just bouncing off the last statement one last time about the chameleon thing. All the producers casting, like for anyone that's interested in, you know, trying out for this show or any other show, they see people so often that like they're going to see right through that, you know, like. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you can tell when someone's being a little fake, too. And, you know, um, and you can sort of check them out and see what's going on with about them. So um, just to give the backstory here. So you graduated college, moved to New York. You were living in New York doing modeling. Were you as big of an influencer, I guess, or were you like very interested in the influencing world before going on Love Island or were you just really in like the modeling world? No, I loved it. I definitely um, liked being an influencer then too. But at the time, you know, I was at like 35,000 followers. So my campaign leverage and client leverage wasn't as high, but um, the modeling stuff was great, but I still did things and I still had really cool opportunities but it was cool to see that following jump, you know, because of the show and all the doors that that opened up for, you know, some cool opportunities. Yeah, no, absolutely. And when I talk about on the show, like this is the shit that's not taught in school for all you listeners out there that do want to be an influencer. I mean, you're going to want to listen to this next segment of the show because this is someone who has created something, a platform for herself that she is now able to leverage, like she just said, to have different relationships with different brands and companies um, and to make a living off of it. So let's get right into it. Where did you think like influencing would take you? Did you ever think you would be where you are today? So honestly, no. The show kind of changed everything for me. Other than that, it's pretty hard now to grow a platform with the way that Instagram analytics are set up. But the creators that I've seen be really successful in doing that, which this doesn't abide to me because I you know, went on a reality TV show, but the ones that really post the things that are true to them, you know, and they post the things that they believe in and they find a niche that they have and they want to, you know, share that with other people. That's what really does well. And that's what's going to grow you exponentially if working in the influencer world is something that you want to do or social media. So obviously you went on the show, which I'm sure played a huge part in creating a bigger following base for you personally. But did you know, like before you went on the show, how many followers you had? And then the second you picked back up your phone from not being able to communicate with the outside world, how many followers you were at? Like, did you just gain a bunch when the show was going on? Oh, yeah, I had no idea. So my sister ran my social media for me while I was gone. So she was keeping track of everything and posting for me. And, you know, she'd let everyone know, like, hi, I'm Caroline Elizabeth's sister posting from this account while while she's gone. But but it, it was just so crazy because when I went there, you know, it's a pilot season. You don't know if anyone's watching. You don't know if you're going to get any followers. You know, we all kind of were like, we're going to come out of this and have 100 followers, like joking. We didn't know if anyone was watching. And to see that jump when I finally got my phone back and see that I had, you know, over 3,000 text messages was very overwhelming. Like, it was a lot. It was It was crazy. And then coming home from there, you know, like I landed at LAX and I had people at the airport taking pictures with me and being so excited. And, you know, even when I got home to Birmingham, we have like a mall, which I'm sure you've been to Maverick, Somerset. I was kicked out of Somerset because I posted that I was there and too many people showed up to come see me. So I, oh my God. I was like, never did I think that would happen. And now I like maybe get recognized like once a month. Wow, <laughs> so it's just, it's crazy. just very crazy. So do you know just a, a guesstimate of how many followers you gained on 
like that's called let's just do Instagram is the easiest. Yeah. So Instagram, I'm at 225 right now. But like I said, I had around 35,000 before entering the show. So wow. Whatever the math is for that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Whenever someone is like tries to do mental math on the podcast, I'm horrible at it and I don't have a calculator in front of me. So I just always I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably right. You know, that's just what it is. <laughs> if someone came up to you that didn't know you and you were just starting to talk to them and they go, OK, Elizabeth, you know, what do you do for a living? How would you answer that question? I usually just say I work in entertainment. Uh, you know, because I, I host an after series with my friend Alex and exciting news. We actually just got it signed to CBS. So congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. So we're really excited about that. And then, you know, on top of that, I'm just still working as like a social media influencer. But if an average day, you know, person I'm meeting comes up to me and is like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, I work in entertainment and I do social media and modeling is basically what I'll say. That's awesome. So at what point did you realize that you could make influencing a career or a part of your career? So I had old management right when I got off the show and immediately there was like brand interest and it was super overwhelming. But I was like, okay, wow, this is something that could, you know, for now be sustainable. But uh, once I switched managements and realigned, you know, kind of what I wanted to do, I was able to, you know, then see when I was looking at my financial statements throughout the year that this was actually something I really could make a living out of. Got it. And so what platforms are you on? And I know there's so many out there and you might say I'm on all of them because like the podcast, for example, has a page on every single social media platform. But are you consistently trying to post on every platform or are there ones that you use more than others? Or how do you go about doing that? I would say I use mostly everything but Facebook and Twitter. So when I say that, that's including Snapchat. I just signed a deal with them for their reels. So I've been trying to do that a lot more. Instagram, I obviously work with. TikTok, talk as well. Uh, YouTube is a big one for me. And I'm trying to think. I'm like definitely missing. Do you, oh, do you plus, ever, I have always wanted to ask an influencer, do you ever use LinkedIn at all or you totally never use LinkedIn? So funny you should say that my LinkedIn was just hacked and the hacker posted a status on my LinkedIn oh, just know, saying you hello. Know what? Olivia showed me that. Yeah, Olivia it was showed so me creepy. that. It's so creepy. I'm still trying to get the LinkedIn back. Um, He just wrote hello. And I'm like, what is going on? But no, I used LinkedIn previously when I was working in advertising. So I have the LinkedIn, but I don't really use it anymore. Maybe you'll use it because I always post whoever the guest is on LinkedIn once the show drops. So you'll see it. Yeah, you'll see it. Hopefully you have your LinkedIn back. Yeah, I'm going to say, or the hacker will see it. You could let him know to repost it for you. (laughs) Yeah, I might message him and be like, hey, I know her LinkedIn is hacked, but can you please just repost that that, for me? Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, man. (laughs) So what platform has brought you the most benefit? Like where do you see brings you the most opportunities? So it's either Instagram or YouTube. YouTube has really helped with our after series. That's kind of where we host it at and we go live on YouTube. And then we also convert that into podcast across all those channels as well. Uh, My friend Alex and I. So Alex, for context, for the listeners, was the runner up on my season for Love Island. And we just became like very close friends after the show. Nice. That's awesome. That's really cool. So um, Instagram and YouTube, you mentioned TikTok a little bit. And for those listening that may want to do influencing, where would you tell them to start? Like what social media has the best analytics for people and algorithms for people to you know, start off their career influencing or whatever? And I know you've been helping Olivia with it. So that's why I wanted to ask you these questions because I think you're very knowledgeable and can give people information. Yeah. So I would say you obviously need an Instagram account because I think that's where if you're first starting out, you'll make the most money and see 
um, the quickest growth. Also, any new platform is always going to grow quicker. So like TikTok and Snapchat Reels, those platforms are going to grow you the fastest. And then those followers will then translate over to Instagram. That's interesting you bring up Reels because I'm not a big Reels. I go on TikTok, of course, but Reels, I'm not a big person, but that Reels do well for influencers, huh? Yeah, so it just launched. That's why. So they'll favor your analytics over anyone else if you're using it consistently. And that's like where you're going to get a lot of exposure and impressions. And then, you know, that will equal more followers. And then the more you can kind of build a fan base on any platform, it's going to transfer over to the others and like cross promote them. Got it. That makes sense, actually. That makes perfect sense. So again, going along with this question that if I came up to you and I say, Elizabeth, I know you're an influencer. You've been killing it, crushing it. What tips and tricks can you give me? What would you say? Um, Well, it kind of depends on like what kind of an influencer you want to be, you know, like, are you promoting health? Are you promoting, you know, fitness, like fashion, beauty, you know, and then based on that kind of department, I would be able to tailor the advice a little better. But overall, I think the number one thing is to just know yourself and know the kind of things you want to post and what kind of audience like are you trying to build? Like, are you trying to draw in, you know, the beauty influencers of the world? Like then you're going to have to target them and know that you're going to want to be posting a lot of makeup tutorials or your makeup favorites and, you know, so on and so forth. You need to like know your audience and then know what you want to be promoting. Yeah, that makes sense. You're going to want to know what your followers wants to see from you and what's going to get you the most engagement and get people to interact with your page a little bit more. Um, So you're sort of have to narrow in. But let's talk about this. So is this something you do where you help people with their social media and help them, you know, get more exposure and just build it so it's cleaner and their relationships with brand. Is that something that you do? Yeah. So on the side, I developed this side hustle when things got really slow during COVID where I was like, you know what, I have this like strong degree behind me, plus, you know, all this ad world experience. And I used to be on the corporate side where I was the one choosing the influencers for the brands and um, for some pretty large clients. So I was like, wow, I've learned, you know, how to market myself so well, I should really be helping other people that want to do this because I feel like a lot of people that want to do it just get sucked into these random management agencies that aren't really much help and they will just take like a cut of your pay. So I, you know, I'm always like, learn to market yourself and you're going to benefit a lot better. So I started making media kits for people and a media kit is basically a one to two sheet PDF flyer that you can be emailing to brands and clients kind of pitching yourself and highlighting, you know, what you bring to the table on social media that's going to bring you in um, brand deals and campaigns and opportunities. Wow, that's awesome. And just to step back for a second, you say you started this during COVID when there was nothing going on. And I think that shows, number one, your work ethic, but number two, you know, how far your success will take you. Because during COVID, a lot of people use the time to do nothing, to sit and relax, which I don't want to knock them for. But at the same time, never in our parents' lifetime and really our grandparents' lifetime has there been a period for six to 12 months where you were sitting inside in your home doing nothing. And if you chose to do nothing with that, again, I don't really want to knock you. But at the end of the day, now you had this extra period of time where you could have created the side hustle. That's sort of when I started the podcast as well. So my hat comes off to you for that. And I think it shows, you know, who you are as a person and in the professional world as well. Like you're out there to get it. And I appreciate that. And I respect that a million times. So that's kudos to you. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, same, yeah, same no, back for to sure. You. It's 
it's a tough situation. It's not a discussion for right now. But at the end of the day, I think there is a lot of smart people in the world that can make significant changes or they can do things for themselves that's going to create success in their eyes, whatever that is, whether it's mental success, financial success. Um, and they weren't maybe using the time to do that. They were using the time to, you know, sit and watch new shows on Netflix and stay inside and, you know, relax, quote unquote, which is always good. It's healthy to relax. But at the end of the day, you again, you had this time to do these things and you chose not to do it. And now someone like Elizabeth has a foot up against all these other people that maybe didn't do it. And they're like, oh, my God, can I do this now? Well, yeah, cool. But Elizabeth started that when no one was, you know, really thinking about that. They were just locked inside their houses. So I think think it's important to bring up to show the listeners because I do have a younger audience to show them like you should never just be sitting back and relaxing all the time right of course that's healthy you need to do that and step away from things and work and enjoy life but at the end of the day also realize what your time is being used for the most in situations like that yeah like I read a quote and it was uh referencing the pandemic and it was like if this didn't bring out the hustle in you then it's not in you. And I thought that that was great. But I think a lot of people that come up and ask me sometimes like, oh, I want to be an influencer or, oh, I want to do this. Like, I'm almost like you need to remember, too, the reason I I feel like I've been successful with it is I do have my degree and I did work in New York and understand the corporate side first before doing this. Yeah. And that definitely gave me like a huge leg up against, you know, any other, you know, influencers competing for the same clients and stuff. Because you brought up, like you were on the other side, you were working for the companies that were hiring these influencers to promote their brands. And you saw the negotiation process. You saw, you know, how much leeway they have in the negotiation process. And you work that to your advantage because why would you not? You have the experience. You have that information in that industry. And if you can give that to people and help them with it and make a business out of it and make a business out of it for yourself, I mean, you would be a fool not to do it. Like, so it absolutely, it helps you. But I I saw that same quote and it's a great quote because I think it's true. But what do you think is the most difficult part of being an influencer? Is it time management? Is it? Yeah, I think a lot of it is communication and knowing, you know, how to speak the corporate language or the industry language and knowing how to pitch yourself. You know, it's the number one thing because any micro influencer could get, you know, essentially a lot of the same deals, maybe to a smaller scale, but it's all in how you pitch yourself and knowing kind of the language of, professionalism and you know how to type an email and how to highlight yourself and I think that's where a lot of the you know the school comes into play and the studying and the work experience and not just saying waking up one day and saying like oh I, I want to be an influencer like there's a lot of things that come with it but it's my number one asked question too from girls that I help or guys you know build their following and start pitching brands is they don't know what to say in the emails and they're like how do I you know what do I say and I feel like that's where I kind of have helped a lot, too, with like email templates and teaching, you know, how to, you know, start a conversation and have it be fun yet professional and like know how to pitch yourself. So what's really interesting is you brought up school. Would you credit school to teaching you how to write those emails or would you credit your work experience? My work experience, for sure. But I don't think you're going to get that without your school. <laughs> I advocate for going to school. I think it's very important to go to school because if you have a dream and God forbid that dream doesn't work out, you never know, um, you know, what position you could be in. And if your degree is there, it's always going to back you up. But of course, for you, it just happened to further um, jump you into the career that you want to be. But for a second, I want to bring up negatives as an influencer because people, I, in all honesty, this is my podcast and I'll always give my opinion. I think a lot of 
online hate comments stem from jealousy and stem from them not being right in front of you. People have said that for years. Um, it's much easier to say something horrible to someone when you're typing on your phone than it is when they're in front of your face. And frankly, I think a lot of people wouldn't say the things they say online to someone's face. But how do you deal with negative comments or do you just ignore them, not let them get to you and just totally don't acknowledge them? Okay. So when I first came off the show, I sat down with a publicist and they were very like, never engage, don't give them the time a day. Like it's just a bot behind a computer, yada, yada. And that worked for a while. And it was very like, okay, you know what? It's just someone, I don't know this person. They don't know me personally. So what is, you know, what does that even mean to me when they're commenting on, you know, something about my character or my looks or whatever? Like they don't know me. So it was easy for a while, but I actually think our, the influencer culture, I would like it to kind of change a little and I would like to normalize influencers or creators of any kind kind of clapping back to people. I just think sometimes people should be standing up for themselves. And I don't think that that should be seen as a negative. Like if an influencer wants to say something back, like, hey, you know what? Like you are a nobody just sitting behind your computer trying to tear me down. Like, why don't you find something better to do? And I want that to be a little more normalized. I love that so much because I agree with you. I think that again, you know, and we have a few minutes left of the interview, but I think this whole thing of cancel culture and like tiptoeing around, you have businesses and brands just tiptoeing around, like telling the truth about things and no one like wants to say something negative to someone or talk back to someone. And if you do, like you're going to be dragged through, I'll call it the quote unquote street, but in this case, the street's the internet, right? And I absolutely think people need to start sticking back up for themselves and need to stop. And of course, there's going to be people that at the end of the day, they're typing that because they're jealous of you, they like you too much, or they truly just have nothing better to do and just think they're being funny. Um, I think there's very few people that truly feel that way. Uh, I think that if they could have the chance to probably meet you and hang out with you, they would definitely change their attitude and be like, oh my God, I didn't mean what I was saying online sort of thing. So I love that perspective though. So for all you influencers out there that are maybe listening to this or those that are trying to be influencers right now, listen to Elizabeth. Let's work together to change that culture, change that world and stick up for each other and, and defend yourself. Stick up for yourself because at the end of the day, confidence is everything. But So we don't end the topic on a negative. I want to just talk about Positive. Yeah, I have one more thing, like going off that narrative and like being able to change that narrative. I also in college, you know, dealt with this. And I think it's a huge thing on social media between, you know, bullying and cyberbullying. But one thing I always kind of stuck with was if someone is truly happy, like they're not going to try to bring you down. They're just, you know, if someone's happy with themselves in their life, they're not going to waste any time trying to bring someone else down. So I think you can kind of take, you know, your root and your core and just know like, if I'm happy, like I don't need to tear someone else down. And if they were really happy, then they wouldn't spend the time doing that to me. True. That's true too. I'm, I'm glad you added that in at the last bit of it. But I don't want to finish this topic on a negative. So I just want, what's your favorite aspect of being an influencer? Let's talk about the positive for a second. If you had to pick one thing, what's your favorite thing of, about being an influencer? Oh my gosh, it's just the opportunities as a whole. I love, you know, the doors that have opened because of it. I love the fun events and, you know, I'm super into fashion and I love that I can create my own schedule and have a creative job and career that allows me to, you know, have my own direction with it while still making money. If you had to pick one thing or one experience that happened because of influencing that you think was the coolest or will stay in your mind forever, what is that one thing? I would say probably like a, a full paid vacation, like being able to travel and not have to, you know, use my savings on that and be able to see a different place like I haven't been able to see is 
definitely the coolest thing. That's definitely awesome. Absolutely. That's got to be super cool to go somewhere and not even have to pay for anything to go and experience that. So that's truly amazing. A few last questions for you before we conclude the interview. Um, and because this show is about the shit that's not taught in school, something you know, you and I talked before we started recording about taxes, insurance, credit, etc. When you had money coming in for yourself and you started to make a living for yourself and make these things a career, did you know anything about filing taxes or building credit or getting insurance for yourself? Did you know about any of those things or how were you learning about that? Right. So I, I knew about credit and slightly filing taxes, um, but I definitely had to hire someone that understood independent contractors and how to file that way. So you're getting 1099 yes. from these companies then? Yes. 1099 and W9. It just depends on which campaign, which client. Got it. Awesome. And for all of you out there that don't know, that means she's self-employed. So she's not an employee of the company. They're paying her as what's called an independent contractor. So they're not taking the taxes out of if you get a W-2, they take the taxes out of that. If you get a 1099, they're not, which means that you need to set money aside to then pay those taxes. And if you do need any tax assistance, don't forget my family's company, Levy & Associates. You can call our office, one 800 tax levy 800 829-5389. Also check out the website levytaxhelp.com. But before I ask you the final question of the interview, Elizabeth, how can someone contact you for business purposes if they want to? Um, my business email is ewebsbooking at gmail.com. So it's E-W-E-B-Z-Z booking at gmail.com. Awesome. And what's your, uh, give your Instagrammers a few of your social media so people can look it so up. So all my social medias are the same. It's just at eWebs. So at E-W-E-B-Z-Z. Awesome. And so for the last question, Elizabeth, I have, I usually ask this to all of my guests, but the question is, is what do you wish you knew in your early 20s, but you're still in your early 20s and I've had this happen before. So I'll switch it up, Elizabeth. What do you wish you knew about life when you were 18 years old? Oh, that's a good question. I wish I had studied harder and worked harder. I feel like my work ethic wasn't really installed into me until like halfway through college. And I wish I had tried harder earlier on and like figured that out. I was so focused on friends and going out and thought that that was everything and thought I knew everything. And I wish I had studied a lot harder. I hope you all, all of you listeners, take that into consideration. You know it's something I've preached on the podcast before. Elizabeth, my opinion on that whole thing is, depending on if you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, if you know what you want to do and you know you need a certain degree to go and do that thing, then school is of the utmost importance because you need to go through those steps and stages. But at the end of the day, school is going to teach you what working hard gets you at the end of the day. If you're going to work hard and put in the hours and days to study for a huge exam, you're most likely going to succeed and do well on that exam. But if you don't and you just spend a few hours before the exam to study, then that's what your grade's going to reflect. So at the end of the day, like school might not teach you all of the things that are essential in life, but I think a huge aspect of school does teach you work ethic and the importance of it. So again, I couldn't appreciate you more bringing that up. And that's a great answer. I've never had something like that on the show. And answered like that in that way. So I appreciate that. But that's it for this interview. 
I want to thank you so much for coming on. It was a blast talking to you. And I know that people are really going to appreciate this information and advice that you're sharing because number one, it's absolutely not taught in school, but it's such a big topic today. And it's like an unknown, right? So I think for all the listeners out there, if you do want to get into this influencing world, contact Elizabeth. She's there. She told you she made a side hustle of it. She knows what she's doing. You just heard her story, how she got into it. And she's only going up from here. So thank you, Elizabeth. I hope some listeners reach out to you, but I uh, I appreciate you and I hope that you have a fantastic weekend. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This has been super fun and, you know, very insightful too to even, you know, reflect on everything that we just talked about. Absolutely. Thank you. You all just heard advice from one of the best of the best on a dating reality TV show, Love Island. She's an amazing influencer that was nice enough and made time to come on and talk to you all about things that I bet some of you are interested in and would love to make a career out of. So again, I'll say this on episodes that I think there's a lot that's talked about. Go back and listen again if this is something that interests you. You're always gonna hear something and learn something new when you listen for the second time. Even when you read something, read it again if that's something interesting because you'll learn something new the second time, I promise you. And listen, everyone, we haven't talked about it in a while. So you must never forget that as a listener of the best of the best, you are held to the highest standard to be the best of the best. You must be a leader in whatever you do in life. I want you, along with those that support you and love you and care about you, want you to go out there, be motivated, be determined, go and make your dreams come true. Do it, you can do it. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. And if you they do tell you that, That should give you more motivation to go do it so you can show them that you can achieve something like this. Also remember that as you go through life, you should always be learning. You will never know it all. So don't act like that. If you are a know-it-all kind of person, you'll never know it all. And education is a tool and it's a privilege that can never be taken away from you. You can take away everything else, but you can never take away the education that you have. Learn as much as you can in your life and never stop learning. Always be learning. Before I say thank you and get out of here, I want to give a big shout out to someone that supports me, loves me, and cares for me every day. She's my girlfriend. Her name is Olivia. And today on Wednesday is her 21st birthday. So happy birthday, Olivia. I love you. Thank you for pushing me every day to become a better version of myself. Make sure you surround yourself with ones like Olivia that never let you settle for being anything but the best of the best. That's it for this episode, everyone. Make sure to subscribe so that you'll get notified when another episode comes out. And thank you for listening to another episode of the best of the best Maverick's Guide to Success. I'll talk to everyone next week.